0: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss.
1: COVID-19 spoils the party.
2: Effective today, all nightclubs and all standalone banquet halls are ordered closed.
1: Dr. Henry's appeal to pull back on socializing immediately.
3: A tentative return to school. Our district has done amazing things to make sure that we're Walking into something that's
4: safe and organized. What teachers say about heading back just before students do.
1: And smoky haze invades the South Coast.
5: For people with underlying health conditions, it can have uh, some pretty profound health effects.
1: Where it's coming from and how long it could last. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6.
4: Good evening and thanks for joining us. We begin with a move to take a step back in hopes of taking a step forward in the fight against COVID-19 in B.C. New restrictions announced today following a surge in cases.
1: The numbers are high over the past four-day stretch. We have 429 new cases. That's 123 Friday to Saturday, 116 Saturday to Sunday, 107 Sunday to Monday and 83 Monday through this morning. Our total is now 6,591. Sadly, we've lost two more people, which means 213 have died from complications of the virus. 32 people are in hospital, 12 of them in ICU. 4,978 are considered recovered, leaving us with 1,386 active cases. And over 3,000 people currently in isolation. Keith Baldry joins us now with more on this. Keith, we heard it earlier, nightclubs, banquet halls all forced to close. And there are some new restrictions uh, on bars and restaurants as well.
6: Yeah, not unexpected. It's been flagged for some time that nightclubs and banquet halls in particular have been problems because people gather there, strangers gather in large numbers, alcohol is consumed, people let their guard down. We've seen a number of exposure events, most recently on Granville with three bars being flagged on the weekend uh, for this type of behavior. Dr. Bonnie Henry laying down the law today in very firm fashion. Here's what she had to say.
2: Effective today, all nightclubs and all standalone banquet halls are ordered closed until further notice. In addition, liquor sales in all bars, pubs and restaurants must cease at 10 p.m. and these venues must close at 11 p.m. unless they're providing full meal service in which case the meal service can continue but not serve alcohol
1: Summer's over, party's over, it sounds like, Keith. Uh, mm-hmm. There's also been some talk about curfews, too. What was the reaction of health officials to that suggestion today?
6: Yeah, Dr. Henry revealed that she's been in contact with her co- uh, colleagues across the province trying to figure out potential what other restrictions they're looking at. Uh, so, other things have been put on the table. One of the questions today from reporters was what about a curfew? Could that be something you're being looking at? Here's her response to that.
2: No, we weren't looking at curfews. What we're looking at are, are how do we um, encourage everybody to make sure we have um, in place the things we need to protect our health care system, to protect our most vulnerable people, particularly as we know our seniors and elders in our communities. And how do we adjust that? And we can do that safely. We can do that um, through the measures that we're taking now.
6: So pretty strong measures taken by Dr. Henry today, and who knows whether we see more restrictions as those numbers continue to spike upwards. Tomorrow's number probably, if you look on the averages, uh, probably in the neighborhood of more than 100 cases expected tomorrow. Tomorrow's a big day as well. We've got an update on the pandemic uh, plan, and that includes the hiring of many people to come into the health care system to primarily look after senior citizens in care homes. Big announcement tomorrow afternoon.
1: All right. We'll check back in then. Thanks very much, Keith.
4: And while the president of the BC Banquet Hall Association earlier had asked the government to shut down their industry over concerns that not everyone was operating on a level playing field, he now says he's shocked by today's news.
1: I'm totally shocked. I didn't know that we were nightclubs. How so? We don't fall into the category of nightclubs. We are licensed as uh, restaurants. We're shut down. We're done. How do we pay our taxes? How do we pay our mortgages? How do we pay our, any of our rents? How do we pay our employees? How do we pay our suppliers? How do we do, how do we function? We cannot operate under these uh, circumstances. We'll be, we're financially done.
4: Well, today also marked a big day for teachers across the province who headed back to school to prepare for students' return to class on Thursday. The BCTF says teachers are still worried and nervous, despite that many of the teachers we talked to are looking forward to getting back. Richard Zussman reports on how they plan to navigate this
3: uncharted territory.
7: Parking lots full, doors open, teacher, staff, administrators back at school.
3: I think we're making the best out of a bad situation.
2: None of this is ideal.
7: The first of two days of training for all adults working in the school setting to understand the new health and safety guidelines. Cautious optimism from many. Our district has done amazing things to make sure that we're walking
3: into something that's safe and organized.
8: It's very clear how they have it laid out for us and for the students. And they've been, the communication's been really good.
7: There are still some concerns from teachers, including an inconsistent mask policy and a lack of physical space in some classrooms.
2: We had hoped we'd be in a situation where we had more preventative measures in
9: place.
7: There are also concerns about sick days for teachers, staff or parents who have to stay home with a sniffling child. The province says they may have to consider a bridge between this current sick days and the federal government's program, which is not in place yet.
1: If we see uh, an excess uh, use of those kinds of resources or they're exhausted, it may be the case that the province uh, directs some COVID-specific funding towards a problem like that.
7: Here in Victoria, some students are picking up their schedule for what things will look like when they do return. And obviously things look different. Masks physical distancing, and some anxiousness about what things will actually be like in a classroom.
3: It's been a really long time since I've been back at school, six months maybe, so yeah, I'm excited to get back into the classroom and learn and see all my friends.
7: When they are back in class later this week, students will in many cases be required to spend more time in their desks and not share school supplies, food, or physical contact. Then there's the enhanced focus on cleaning, a challenge for this caretaker. So many surfaces... So many hands, 1,700 kids times two hands. That's yeah. a lot of hands. And no doubt those hands will be up in the air a lot this week with many questions from students about how all of this will work when they return to class Thursday.
1: And days after kids return to class at a West Vancouver private school, administrators there confirm several students and staff are isolating after a COVID 19 exposure off site. Grace Key has more on what happened and why the Mulgrave School believes the risk is limited.
10: Mulgrave School sent out a letter to parents on Monday. Vancouver Coastal Health contacted the school, informing them that there has been a COVID-19 exposure involving some students and staff. The exposure involved grade nine students and occurred while they were away from campus for an off-site day camp experience. The small group of students and staff are isolating for 14 days. The camp activities took place outside within learning groups and involved physical distancing. The school didn't specify the activity, but the provincial health officer did make a comment
2: on school field trips. I don't see us having field trips. I don't see us having some of those um, more uh, uh, larger group events where we uh, go out and visit things. I think there's a lot we can do virtually now in terms of visiting museums and other uh, art galleries, etc, that can be implemented. Due to
10: privacy concerns, Vancouver Coastal Health and Malgrave can't say whether or not anyone has actually tested positive for COVID. Now, Malgrave is not making any statements on camera, but in the letter did say because this activity took place off campus, the recommendation is for them to just do their usual thorough cleaning inside. Vancouver Coastal Health says there is no further risk to the public. In West Vancouver, Grace Key, Global News. Smoke
4: is blanketing much of southern B.C. It's coming from wildfires burning in Washington state. And as Brad McLeod reports, that's led to health advisories and air quality alerts for residents on this side of the border.
5: It was a smoky start for the southern part of the province. Vancouver enveloped. Victoria barely visible. Many even concerned for their safety. It's very smoky. We thought there was something burning maybe in the house. In the morning, a blood red sun rose over the capital city.
4: Yeah, it's been pretty hazy.
5: And it's not only the capital being covered in smoke, much of southern Vancouver Island has also been affected from the Cowichan Valley down. There's the high potential for health consequences if this is prolonged. The air quality index rating reaching a 10 or 10 plus in some island communities. That's the highest possible. It can get deep down into the lungs and cause irritation and inflammation in the lungs, which makes it very hard for people to uh, absorb the same amount of oxygen as they normally would. But places like Osoyoos also hit overnight. Penticton in a haze. And an air quality advisory issued for Metro Vancouver and the Fraser Valley due to high concentrations of fine particulate in the air.
2: We do expect to see
11: uh, smoke impacts throughout the region uh, for a number of days.
5: The culprit for most of the smoke? Wildfires raging south of the border. Satellite imagery shows how the smoke from Washington wafted into our province. One of the blazes in that state destroyed 80% of homes in the town of Malden. This came through like like a jet plane, really. It just tore right through here. The medical health officer says seniors, young children, and those who are pregnant are susceptible to the smoke, especially anyone with pre-existing heart or lung conditions. Including those with uh, a COVID infection right now. Dr. Fife says it's best to avoid strenuous outdoor activity when conditions are like this. Try to stay indoors uh, and improve air quality by keeping the windows closed. He says it's a smart safety plan to expect more smoke. It could come back uh, even worse than it is right now. Brad McLeod, Global News, Victoria.
4: Alright, meteorologist Yvonne Shell joins us now with more on the role the wind is playing in all of this. And Yvonne, if the next few days will be any better given the heat we're experiencing now.
12: Yeah, so we are tracking uh, the heat, one factor, and big weather story, but today we've had a bit of a breeze off the water, so the wind has thickened, especially towards the west end. But as we look ahead, especially late evening and overnight, we'll see a bit of a shift, and we've got outflow winds. So we are looking at northwesterly winds, and what that means is we may see a bit of clearer air, it may blow a bit of the smoke out of the region, but it is going to pick up once again. The Outflow winds are going to weaken, so the potential of seeing the smoke, especially as we get in towards the next few days, will be likely. They'll be sticking. And we can see that on the smoke forecast. So for a few of the areas, we are going to see some outflow winds as they do start to weaken over the next few days. The smoke is going to build in across the region. So a heads up for those who have respiratory issues, please be very careful over the next few. The winds, big weather story. Also, the heat is soaring. I'll have that coming up in some of the numbers and when we'll see the peak of the heat across the south coast very shortly. So, All right. Thanks, Yvonne.
1: Vancouver's mayor has a plan to give homeless campers a different place to pitch their tents. His multi-pronged approach to tackle homelessness, including a move that has the potential to clear out neighborhood parks. Why, some say it's way overdue in just over a minute.
4: A desperate firefight in California with no end in sight. That's coming up on the Hour.
1: And B.C.'s favorite sign language interpreter about to start a new gig. That's later.
4: Right now, though, with homelessness becoming more visible in Vancouver, the mayor is pitching a sanctioned encampment outside city parks as one possible solution.
1: Citing COVID, the overdose crisis, and colder weather ahead, Kennedy Stewart says we need to act now. Catherine Urquhart has more on the mayor's plan and what the city could lose in order to pay for it.
3: With an estimated 400-plus tents now at Strathcona Park, and as area residents become more frustrated, Vancouver's mayor has called an emergency meeting.
6: So on Friday I've called a special council meeting to deal with uh, really this, uh, this kind of explosion in homelessness we've seen here in the city. And uh, What I've asked council to do is consider a motion I'm putting forward. Stewart
3: wants council to consider three options. A structured encampment, leasing or buying housing units, or converting city-owned buildings into emergency housing. We're just seeing this motion coming out today, hearing about it on the news or hearing about it from you, and there's not any opportunity to consult or really respond to it.
13: What have mayor and council been doing for the past several months? Uh, We've been ringing alarm bells for at least since early June about the the state of affairs here in Strathcona, the health and safety of the community, including the, the campers.
3: The proposed solutions would require financial assistance from other levels of government, or at least cooperation in the case of the park board. We're seeing the crime rates rising, um, but we're also seeing an unprecedented number of homeless on the streets and they're looking for leadership. So this is the time to work together, not to spring surprises um, on councillors. Stewart is warning that the price of housing Vancouver's homeless could result in some services being cut.
6: What is... What is the worst case scenario and how much would it cost the city to go on their own? And that uh, I think that's going to spook everybody about how much that, uh, how much that would cost and the, and the very limited options that we have.
3: Metro Vancouver's last homeless count showed 547 people were living unsheltered on city streets. Stewart's motion calls on staff to investigate housing options and report back to council by October 2nd. Catherine Urquhart, Global News.
4: Vancouver police are investigating the city's 11th homicide of the year. Officers believe 36-year-old Neil Scarasbrick, who they say was known to them, was punched near Hastings and Columbia streets on the downtown east side. He
14: died of his injuries early Monday morning. Investigators do believe that the victim and the suspect are known to each other and believe there's no other risk to the public. We do have somebody in mind, we have identified a suspect, but as I said, the investigation is ongoing.
1: Still ahead, a struggling BC community plans for a big comeback. Why there's a lot of work to do to make sure everything's going to be okay in OK Falls.
4: Also ahead, crushed truck, what seems like a miracle during a windstorm in
0: Creston. Still a lot of extra traffic over here, often or shore to the Iron Workers Memorial Bridge after clearing not one, not two, but three earlier southbound problems. Traffic is still slow from Westview Drive. Need to renew your car insurance? Call BCAA to save, get better coverage, or both. Visit bcaa.com slash ICBC. I'm Trishy Wilson in Global One, high above the Iron Workers Memorial Bridge.
1: Greater Vancouver Food Bank is making a public appeal for help only this time it's not just for non-perishable food items. The organization needs to find a new food distribution location in Vancouver. Once again it's the fallout from COVID-19. At the start of the pandemic the Food Bank was able to set up in the Queenie Theatre and the Mount Pleasant Community Centre. They've since had to vacate. And they're undergoing renovations on a building they've recently leased, which means they're in need of a temporary space.
6: Right now what we're looking for is a location in Vancouver, uh, four to 6,000 square foot uh, that has a loading dock so that we can uh, continue distributing uh, in a safe way with uh, social distancing. Uh, and we'll only need that for maybe three months and we're hoping somebody can come forward with a space that'll help us uh, until we get our, our lease space up and running.
4: Yet another troubling sign of the deterioration of Vancouver's downtown. A popular restaurant on West Hastings is shutting down. The owners say the neighborhood has become too hostile an environment to continue. Ruminadeo reports.
15: (laughs) This is what normal looks like for businesses struggling to survive along West Hastings Street. (laughs) Cleaning up human feces from the entrance and urine which has seeped in through the front door is how the owner of Balila Taste Kitchen starts every workday.
6: We're standing here. Can you smell it? I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean, can you imagine living with this all day? Busted windows,
15: theft. Used needles, etc., etc. Staff gone because they feel unsafe. The lease alone, four thousand seven hundred dollars a month. Walid Sukari has given up.
6: You try your best to be compassionate about it, but the direct impact on you, okay, is phenomenal. Sometimes you reach a stage, and I reach a stage where, like, you know what? I, I don't want to do. I don't want to come every morning and 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 just. Clean crap every day, every day, every day.
15: Loyal customers saddened that this is what it's come to. That is heartbreaking. I only just found that out last week. It's been an important place
2: in the neighborhood for a lot of people.
5: So we've had to replace the chain on this because it was cut
16: two days ago. Essentially people got into our garbage room and decided that that's where they wanted to stay. Graham
15: Williams lives a few doors down from the restaurant. His building fed up with the chaos. No help from City Hall, says Williams. So residents are hiring private security for $3,000 a month. I would say to the mayor is, oh, you actually exist.
16: You're Vancouver's transparent mayor. I've been trying to get a hold of you for six months. Everybody in this area has. Your lack of response is astounding. Vancouver's
15: mayor says COVID-19 has had a tough impact on the city, and he's trying.
6: What we have to do is really get at the causes of crime, which is getting folks the help they need to kind of get to a better place. And so this is what we're working on.
15: But help comes too late for Sukari. After three years in this community, he will serve his last customer before the end of the month. Romina Dea, Global News.
1: Well, it's in the heart of BC's summer playground, surrounded by some of the finest wineries in the Okanagan, but all is not okay in OK Falls.
4: The small community on the south shore of Skaha Lake has seen much better days, and Shelby Tom shows us the new plan to help it bounce back. You probably
17: know of Okanagan Falls from passing through it. The tiny town is situated along a main highway corridor connecting the South Okanagan to Penticton and further north. But around 2,000 people and several businesses call this Sleepy Lakeside community home, and they want you to stay a while.
13: We need to reposition ourselves, I guess, as a
6: bedroom community of Penticton.
17: The problem is that O.K. Falls has suffered a gradual economic decline exacerbated by COVID-19. It
6: started maybe 10 years ago with loss of the uh, Weyerhaeuser mill. And you just look along the streets. The the business, you know, Main Street... um, a number of the businesses are shuttered.
17: No greater symptom of this was apparent than the sudden closure of the only grocery store in town, the IGA, last September. OK Falls still boasts some substantial economic drivers, such as Structure Lamb and the burgeoning wine industry. But the community wants a more vibrant downtown to attract young families. Taxpayers funding this economic development and recovery plan prepared by a consulting firm, which acknowledges that despite some growing sectors, Okanagan Falls is in a state of economic paralysis. The three-year plan comprises seven overarching goals. An attractive community for young families, continued business support through recovery, understanding infrastructure challenges, and informed discussion on the prospect of incorporation, developing a community brand, downtown improvement and beautification, and building on community amenities.
1: Let's be real here. Okanagan Falls is never going to rival... But we could all enjoy what we've
9: got a little better.
17: The report accepted by a regional district committee last week and funding for improvements will be considered during budget talks.
7: This report is a stepping stone towards answering the question, how much money do you need and what are the goals and how do we do it?
17: With 9,000 vehicles passing through each day, the hope is more people will stop and invest their tourism dollars in O.K. Falls. Shelby
4: Tom, Global News. Still ahead, the heart of California fire season.
0: Go, 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 go.
4: Why there's no let up in sight for weary residents and firefighters.
1: And why a major vaccine maker just paused its human trials.
9: I'm Squire Barnes. Burnaby Hospital has been serving our community for nearly 70 years, but it's time for an upgrade. Support their transformation to a world class facility to meet growing health care needs for generations to come. Proudly supported by Global BC.
0: Traffic is steady over here at the Alex Fraser Bridge, and as I say that, it looks like we've got a minor problem here a slow moving bus heading south in the center lane. For 47 years, Kermac Collision and Autoglass has provided unmatched superior customer service and satisfaction. With 18 lower mainland locations, there's a Kermak in your neighborhood. Visit Kermak.com. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One, high above the Alex Fraser Bridge.
4: Wildfires across California are setting records after a long weekend of record-setting heat. And only adding to the unfolding crisis, the Santa Ana winds are picking up and spreading those fires.
1: That's led to some pretty dramatic rescues. And thousands of people are packed and ready to go at a moment's notice.
18: A flaming fury. A record 2.2 million acres already charred as California moves into the heart of its fire season. As more than two dozen major fires chew across the Golden State, Prepare for evacuation. Hundreds of thousands are concerned they'll have to evacuate.
6: Just say some prayers. Mm -hmm. We we don't want to see this place go up in smoke. Go, go,
18: go, go, go. Some with just minutes to escape. It felt like a movie. It was
8: a living nightmare. She told us in my 21 years of being a ranger, I've never seen the fires this bad. We are completely surrounded by fires. And she said, you guys need to leave now.
18: Overnight near Fresno, the Creek Fire raged on, stretching more than 200 square miles in just four days and torching everything in its path.
7: It was the apocalypse, you know? <laughs> it was yeah. just like pine needles raining, raining fire. Fire. Yeah. Yeah.
18: National Guard team choppers, transporting more than 140 people from remote hiking trails and campsites in the Sierra National Forest to safety. Oh my God! Oh my God. Families reunited after days separated by the flames. Uh, relief, I-, I thank God that they're home. And there's no let up in sight. Coming on the heels of a weekend heat wave, the Santa Ana winds bring a new threat, potentially spreading the flames even farther and faster as thousands of firefighters wage a seemingly unending battle to protect life and property across the state. Jennifer Bjorkland, NBC News, Irwindale, California.
1: New conservative leader Aaron O'Toole put his own stamp on his front bench Tuesday, revealing his list of ministerial critics as election speculation continues to swirl in Ottawa. O'Toole's shadow cabinet consists of MPs who backed his leadership campaign and a mix of those who backed his rivals, as well as several who remain neutral. Ontario MP Pierre Paulev Poilier- remains as finance critic, and Alberta MP Michelle Rempel Garner takes on the health portfolio. O'Toole's predecessor Andrew Sheer is going to serve as infrastructure critic, and Ontario MP Michael Chong gets the high-profile post of foreign affairs critic. Fellow leadership candidate Derek Sloan, who ran a campaign aimed at social conservatives, did not get a position on O'Toole's front bench team. Tomorrow, the Tory caucus will meet for the first time since O'Toole was elected leader.
4: The US election is... The U.S. election is less than 60 days away. And after the coronavirus pandemic took a serious toll on campaigning, both Donald Trump and Joe Biden are in a frantic push to make up for lost time and find voters who may still be on the fence.
16: The clock is ticking for both presidential candidates, and while national polling favors Joe Biden, the gap is starting to shrink, and the Trump campaign is eager to eat away at any of his opponent's leads, especially in states where he's in trouble.
11: Everything we do will be guided by our love of this state, its people, and its priceless natural treasures. On
16: Tuesday afternoon, Trump made his 11th trip to Florida this year, but only his first since March. It's a strategic move. It's his home state, but he's tied with Biden, where both struggle in key demographics. Trump is losing the senior vote. Biden is behind with the Latino vote. This sets the stage to make Florida, once again, a battleground. Even as polls show, there's little room to change minds at this stage in the race. But for the president, this isn't about reaching out, rather re-energizing the base and playing on people's fears. If
11: you elected this guy, The suburbs would be overwhelmed with violence and crime. So that's where we are. With Trump back on the road, it returns him to a more familiar
16: setting where crowds will gather, but oftentimes without distancing or masks, an optics problem, as the U.S. is quickly approaching 200,000 deaths and the idea of a vaccine remains highly politicized. Meanwhile, Joe Biden will be in Michigan on Wednesday ahead of a massive advertising push across key swing states. And that comes after a big fundraising haul in August, something the Trump campaign is struggling with, reportedly hemorrhaging cash, saying they spent early on in the campaign to defend the president's handling of the coronavirus pandemic. Trump says he may have to self-finance the final weeks of this campaign. Reggie Chikini,
1: Global News, Washington. Michael Cohen has released his memoir with a lot of dirty details of life as a close Donald Trump associate. The new book is called Disloyal, the true story of a former personal attorney to President Donald J. Trump. In it, Cohen alleges Trump made overt and covert attempts to get Russia to interfere in the 2016 presidential election. It also describes Trump's alleged racism and obsessive hatred of former President Barack Obama. The White House called the book, quote, fan fiction.
4: Well, days after signing a deal with Netflix, Prince Harry and Meghan Markle have paid back millions in public money spent renovating their Windsor home. The couple has paid back more than $3.5 million for those renovations at Frogmore Cottage. Harry and Meghan were adamant on not receiving public funds when they announced they were stepping back as working royals back in January. The home, a property of the Queen, will remain the UK residence of the Duke and Duchess.
1: In Health Matters, AstraZeneca announced today it's pausing a major human trial of its COVID vaccine to investigate an unexplained illness in a participant, a routine part of trial safety protocols.
4: And that comes as nine of the largest pharmaceutical companies in the world sign a pledge to uphold scientific standards in the pursuit of a coronavirus vaccine rather than push to get one to market.
11: Under intense pressure from President Trump to deliver a vaccine before Election Day,
13: We're going to have a vaccine very soon, maybe even before a very special date. You know what date I'm talking about.
11: Today, an unprecedented joint statement from nine drug makers pledging not to rush their vaccine candidates or cave to political pressure, writing. We want to make clear our ongoing commitment to developing and testing potential vaccines for COVID-19 in accordance with high ethical standards and sound scientific principles.
2: Nine vaccine makers are coming uh uh, out saying that they will uh, stand uh, with science and the world uh, is looking uh, to science right now in particular to vaccine to make sure that we will uh, bring us to the end of this pandemic
5: former trump fda chief dr scott gottlieb i think that they're concerned That the public may not have confidence in the process because of the way that this has been swept up in a lot of political discussion in the vaccine development process
11: and the regulatory process. Right now, three drug makers have vaccines in phase three human trials in the U.S., each involving 30,000 volunteers. Late today, AstraZeneca said it's pausing its phase three trial to investigate an unexplained illness. Scott Balaban received two injections in July as part of a Pfizer trial at the University of Maryland School of Medicine. He doesn't think he got a placebo.
7: I did have some fever um, and some tiredness, some chills, but that resolved uh, overnight. And then after that, it was just muscle pain for maybe about five days. And then after that, it's been back to normal.
11: Meanwhile, two-thirds of those surveyed in a USA Today Suffolk poll say they will not get a vaccine when it's first offered. Forty-four percent will wait until others have tried it. Twenty-three percent say they won't get a vaccine at all. Dr. Anthony Fauci again today said an FDA-approved vaccine is months, not weeks, away.
5: I believe we will have that by the end of this year, the beginning of next calendar year, 2021.
1: Still ahead, a new job for the BC man, elevating American Sign Language to an art form. How Nigel Howard turned his newfound fame as Dr. Henry's wingman into a teaching gig at UBC.
4: Also coming up in sports, Seahawks QB Russell Wilson gets them new weapons.
1: Pretty astonishing images from the interior and a minor miracle during Monday's windstorm. It happened on Highway 3A near Creston when the wind blew dozens of trees and some power lines onto the roadway. One of them, a giant yellow pine, crashed down on a pickup truck, missing the two people inside by only inches. Yikes. The RCMP say no one was hurt. Incredible.
4: Amber Belzer reminded me of a windstorm we had a few years ago, which knocked out power to the station. And this studio was in complete blackness.
1: That's right. Thankfully, nothing like that. that. Yeah, yesterday.
4: Yeah, and nice out there today, except a little bit of smoke, obviously, Yvonne.
12: Yeah, we've gone from very windy conditions to hazy for today. Here's a current shot of what it looks like, just overlooking English Bay. The heat is on, and it'll be very hot over the next little while. Today, 23 degrees away from the water, uh, closer to 25 and 26 for most areas. Kamloops today got up to 26 degrees, but those numbers are going to increase as we progress uh, through midweek and towards the end of the week for many areas. The following spots in grey, this is the special weather statement that's uh, for the Smoky Sky so all areas in grey. Most of the island is included within that, stretching into the southeastern corners of the province. If you do have respiratory issues, please be very careful. Air Quality Health Index, this is a map that you can find on the BC Air Quality website. Uh, For example, Metro Vancouver in the red, and it's indicated in high, so a great resource to check out. Know those numbers. The hottest days will be Wednesday, Thursday, so a heads up there. A bit of a reprieve is on the way as we get in towards the latter half of the weekend. If you are looking for a break and then into early next week, we'll be back into the low 20s and closer to seasonal values. But the heat over the next few days, 5 and up to 10 degrees above the average. Central Okanagan, it is soaring even hotter into the weekend and early next week. Fire danger rating for much of the southern half of the province. It is sitting underneath high, so please be very diligent with your campfires and your cigarette butts. Once again, we are tracking the winds, outflow, so we may see a bit of a clearing towards the west end. But we is going to build once again, and the potential to see the smoke will continue for the latter half of this week and then hopefully we'll have a bit of a break as we get in towards the weekend. Now, for coastal areas tomorrow, 18 degrees, plenty of sunshine across the central interior. It's warming up for all areas across the south and continues to especially leading in towards the weekend. Whistler tomorrow, hot one up to 30 degrees and along the south coast, the heat is on with the Humidex tomorrow, for example. It is going to feel closer to 34 degrees. We'll be into the low 30s. A touch cooler, perhaps a bit more comfortable as we approach the weekend for both our Saturday-Sunday. Fantastic shot our central windows weather window tonight and this was taken of the sunrise this morning so thank you so much Doug. Thank
4: you. Thank, you. My microphone. thank you Yvonne. Ah, now <laughs> I hear
1: you.
9: <laughs> Here I am. I thought you forgot our name first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's Yvonne, what it, like it, it
1: Yvonne? Yvonne? Of course not. Mm. <laughs> Uh, There you see Squire now joining us with a look ahead to what's
9: coming up in sports, Squire. Usually it's me who has the microphone problem. (laughs) That's true. Uh, Okay, so now that the Canuck players have done their bit, it's time for Canucks GM Jim Benning to do his. He has to step into the spotlight now.
13: Now We're going to see what the marketplace is. I've had some calls this morning from other general managers now that we're out.
9: He's got players to sign. He might have players to trade. He has to make it all work to stay underneath the salary cap.
4: Also tonight, everybody's favorite interpreter gets a new gig at UBC. All right, Squire, now that the playoffs, well, are over for the Canucks.
11: The Canucks
9: playoff part is over, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, it 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 was a run nobody really thought. I mean, we... Kind of thought they'd beat Minnesota in the play-in round, but then, of course, they beat the Champs from St. Louis. That was a surprise. Then in games 5, 6, and 7, they rode Thatcher Demko very close to an upset of the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, it was fun. It was attention-grabbing. But may I suggest that watching Jim Benning try to sign players and make deals with salary cap restraints might be almost as impressive as watching Demko frustrate those Golden Knights. There are a number of Canucks whose contracts have run out, but Benning has to keep enough money around for next year to sign Quinn Hughes and Elias Pedersen to new deals, and those will be huge raises for both of them. Of all the players on the Canucks right now that need a new contract, the one that'll be the most pressing to deal with is goaltender Jacob Markstrom.
1: And clear, Bozak in front, and Markstrom
13: with a huge stop. I talked to Jacob's agent yesterday, and you know we would still, you know, Jacob's an important guy in our group because he's a leader, um, you know, and and he was our MVP over the course of the regular season. So we're going to try to figure out a way, you know, that makes sense for us and that makes Jacob and his. Is agent happy to try to figure out a deal to to get him signed. We want him back, and we're going to start working on that uh, this week.
6: We all know that nobody meant more to the Canucks this season than Jacob Markstrom, but do you break the bank and give the soon-to-be 31-year-old a minimum $6 million contract a season for the next three to four years? Factoring in, of course, the Canucks' salary cap issues and also the out-of-this-world play by 24-year-old Thatcher Demko, it's by far the biggest off-season decision in Jim Benning's tenure as Canucks general manager.
13: Travis is a big believer in having two good goalies. Um, with the travel schedule that we have during the regular season, I believe that, you know, we need to have two good goalies. Back to Hughes. He'll let it fly. Scores!
6: Quinn Hughes! Making it to within a game of the conference finals was a massive step forward for the Canucks and its young core. But it would be a huge mistake thinking this team is a Stanley Cup contender right now. Take away the stellar goaltending of Markstrom and Demko. And does Vancouver honestly beat St. Louis and Vegas? Not likely. There's still work to be
13: done on this roster. Who goes, who stays, and at what price is the question. You know, we, we have a got a lot of good young players here going forward that we got to make sure that we have room, um, you know, to sign them going forward. So, We're going to, you know, and those are going to be what the conversations are going to be like for us as a group this next week. We got to, you know, make some going to have to make some tough decisions, maybe even on some young players to, um, you know, to make sure that we give ourselves the best chance next year to be competitive and to keep growing as a franchise.
9: And the team, the Canucks, uh, almost took out Vegas Is leading Dallas 3-0 early in the third period, trying to tie up that series 1-1. Okay, Russell Wilson is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, but Pete Carroll never asked him to truly put the whole team on his right arm for the whole game. The Seahawks are still a team that likes to run the ball as much as possible, but just the same, they did add some extra weapons for Wilson in the passing game during the offseason. Because they love the run, this is the way a lot of us picture the Seahawks scoring touchdowns. But in actual fact, Seattle scores more TDs through the air. And the feeling in camp is Russell Wilson is just as good as ever.
13: Russ is really on it. He's had a great, great offseason and a great camp. And he's figured out how to do it. You know, he competed like crazy at home. And he's come to camp and just been lights out. So uh, um, we're really excited about where we're going with it.
9: Among the guys Seattle brought in was former Patriot wide receiver Philip Dorsett. He's a game-breaker type, but he's been dealing with foot soreness in camp.
13: We're counting on Philip to, to play and do a good job in this game. You know, he practiced today, and uh, we'll see how he goes through the week, but um, every indication is that he should be okay. Um, we're really fast. Um, our guys know our stuff. Uh, we've synced up really well.
9: Another addition is veteran tight end Greg Olson. Now, this will likely be his last season in the NFL at 35 years old, but the Seahawks think he could be a good end
13: zone target. Um, I think when you add the, the impact that, that Greg should have, Greg Olson should have in complement with those guys, I think we can have a really well-rounded throwing game.
9: Despite those newcomers, the main guys will still be the main guys you saw last year, D.K. Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. They will be Russell Wilson's best hookups in 2020. And if everything goes well, the Seahawks should have enough to once again challenge for a playoff spot. This Sunday in Atlanta. Okay, let's shuffle off the Buffalo because that is home now for the Blue Jays. And they love playing in Buffalo. Check out this tonight against New York Yankees. I don't know what it is. Their offense has come to life since they... Uh, move their home ballpark temporarily to New York. And here they are beating the other New York team, the Yankees, 2-1. Jonathan Davis just got called up from the minors. his first at-bat this year. He hits a two-run homer. That's what the Blue Jays needed to win. Oh, very quickly, is Kelly Olenek, member of the Miami Heat, he's in the Eastern Conference Final because the Heat have knocked out the Milwaukee Bucks.
1: Just made it through. All right, thanks very much, Squire. Here's Jay Durant, now with the preview of Global News at 11. Jay?
9: Thank you, Chris. We'll have more tonight on Dr. Bonnie Henry's decision to shut down BC clubs and banquet halls amid continuing high COVID-19 numbers. Plus, Victoria Police issuing an alert about an item people have been getting in the mail for free, where they're coming from, and what the risk is. We'll have those stories when you join us tonight at 11. Sophie, Chris? All right, Jay, thank you. Okay, ready for this?
1: N-I-G-E-N. L.
4: making plans for (laughs) nigel bc's sign language superstar gets a new gig i think i hurt myself
1: i knew what you were up to too (laughs) by the way i do not know asl
4: well the man who's become an unexpected celebrity across bc during the time of covid is going to the head of the class
1: as nadia stewart reports nigel howard is now pioneering change at ubc
8: Of course, I think for many of the students who will come in, it'll be a shift for them to learn to use their eyes in a new way.
14: Amidst all of the uncertainty around going back to school, Nigel Howard is excited.
8: They'll also have to learn to use their bodies, their facial expressions in a new way. If they were taking a course in spoken English or spoken French, they might be able to have their eyes onto their page writing. But now they're going to have to be watching me. They can't be writing notes at the same time.
14: He will be at the front of the class this semester at UBC, teaching American Sign Language, or ASL, a new official credit course and a first for the university.
2: We need to remain vigilant.
14: Over the last few months, Nigel has become a daily fixture in the homes of British Columbians. The interpreter on the screen relaying vital information. In Speaking with Global News on Tuesday...
8: I am deaf. You'll hear a female voice, even though I'm male. You'll hear the voice of Deborah Russell, who is our interpreter today.
14: He was modest about the gig that's made him a local celebrity.
8: And certainly, I think on the street, I've been stopped by people who are not deaf, who are saying, thank you so much. I'm really paying attention to the broadcast. And I think that the attention is because people are seeing sign language for a very
18: first
14: time. It will be a first for many of his students come Wednesday. ASL 100 is an introductory course.
8: So this is a seed. We're planting it and hopefully it will grow.
14: He expects it will be a full class as interest in ASL continues to grow. He hopes this isn't a short-term thing.
8: What happens next for me, I don't know. Maybe we'll see more interpreters present on the news as a regular occurrence and not just in the small cameo but in a very visible
14: way. That, he says, would be inclusion at its finest. Nadia Stork Global News. I don't know
1: normalism. I tried. He's just, <laughs> just he's just laid down the challenge, hasn't he? <laughs> happy birthday Marsha, our producer, and congratulations Nigel.
4: And happy birthday to my love in California. It's probably Oh, <laughs> yeah, how
1: sweet.